0: Welcome to Counsel the Word, the podcast of the Center for Biblical Counseling and Discipleship. I'm your host, Keith Palmer, and today we're going to be talking about biblical counseling and the stories of the Bible. One of the things that we immediately realize when we open our Bibles is that the Bible is full of true historic stories. In fact, most of the Bible is filled with true historic stories. And those stories are part of God's way of unfolding His truth and speaking His message to us through the scriptures. I'm very grateful to have in the studio today with me my good friend, Pastor Brent Osterberg. Uh, Brent is the preaching pastor at Living Hope Bible Church in Mansfield, Texas, right here in the greater Dallas-Fort Worth area, and he is also a contributor, both in writing and in speaking, to the Center for Biblical Counseling and Discipleship. He speaks at our events and contributes to our website. So, Brent, I am so glad to have you here again, brother, to be with us today. Thanks for inviting me again, Keith. It's always a pleasure. So this is a great topic, um... When we're doing biblical counseling, when we're shepherding people, we're discipling them from the scriptures to to know God and to address challenges in their life, one of the broader goals in that is just getting people into their Bibles and reading their Bibles. So talk to us about just the goal of Bible reading and why that's an important part of the discipleship process. Absolutely. I think that it is
1: key... To helping people get into the scriptures uh, in these discipleship and counseling relationships because, uh, well, one, it's the word of God, obviously. Uh, we, we know that growth happens by the power of the spirit working through the word. I think it's crucial nowadays because we're so uh, distracted by social media and these little sound bites. Uh, these uh, these status updates, right? The uh, uh, you know tell us what uh, what's going on just in a sentence, you know, seventy characters, whatever, you, what have you. So um, whenever we're bombarded with these these little sentences and and just sound bites of uh, of life, and we we scroll through an update or, or a feed, um, it's I think it it takes our attention and it decreases it. And it minimizes it so that we don't have the capacity for sitting down, meditating on the the word, having it uh, wash over us. And so um, I really am passionate about helping people read the Bible. This morning I was talking to a, um, one of the members of our, our church that's a fairly new Christian. And he was talking to me about how he's, he's um, about halfway through the New Testament. He started at the beginning of the Old Testament. He's been working his way through the Bible for the first time. And he's about halfway through the New Testament. And that excites me because I understand that um, we're not going to be changed into the image of God or the, the, or the image of Christ, like Second Corinthians 3.18 says, unless we are in the word. And as we see his glory in the text, He he's going to be transforming into that same image from one degree of glory to another. The Spirit is, that is. So, um... I, I want people to be in the Word of God and to fight the, the tendency for us to be distracted and have our attention be minimized by social media and all of the, uh, the, the, the scrolling we've done. So, uh, that's, that's something that I, I think is important. But in order to do that, we've got to get, um, in the Word and help people to get a, a, a taste for the Word of God, uh, and hear the language of the Word of God. And it's not something that they're going to catch uh, with the language that they, they are fed in the culture from day to day, so um, one of those um, one of those things that we need to help our people with is hermeneutics right the the, the science, if you will, uh, the study of how to study the Bible, and that means getting them into the context right historical context and literary context mm-hmm.
0: very good, yeah, and this is a bit of a sidebar, but that 's one of the things that really characterizes biblical counseling from all other forms of counseling and even some forms of Christian counseling is. We're getting people in the text of scripture. We're, we're reading it. We're studying it. We're helping them to read it and study it. Because as you said, that, that's, that is the means by which the Spirit uses to transform us into the image of Christ. So, you know, a biblical counselor is somebody who's ministering the Word of God to somebody and calling them to do the same. So. Absolutely.
1: Absolutely. Very, very good.
0: Well speaking you mentioned uh you know literary genres and and the different types of literature uh many of our listeners may not be comfortable or familiar with that language so could you just introduce our listeners to this idea of what is a literary genre what what's, what's a type of literature when when you use that language yeah, and the bible
1: includes several different uh literature categories um types of literature and just just to name a handful of them that we see in scripture there's um historical narrative there's poetry law wisdom literature letters uh, gospels like the Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, those, are the gospels and apocalyptic literature, like the book of revelation. And so that's just a smattering of different literature types in the Bible. Uh, we have different liter- literature, types in a library, right? You walk into a library and it's divided up by, um, genre, uh, categories, if you will. And so, um, in their great book, uh, It's called Grasping God's Word. It's by Scott Duvall and Daniel Hayes. It's a, it's a textbook on hermeneutics, how to study the scriptures. It's a really accessible book that I think uh, a lot of people could pick up and really benefit from. But what they, what they say about literary genre and the scriptures is that we need to think of it as, um, each genre having a set of rules, like a game. A game has a specific set of rules. So basketball has a a set of rules. Uh, So does football, baseball, whatever you like. Rugby, I don't know. But it's got a different set of rules. And so do these different literary categories in Scripture. And so you need to play by those rules. Um, If you're going to understand the truth that's in each literary category, you're going to have to interpret by those set of rules. And so, um, for instance, if you try to interpret historical narrative the way that you would New Testament letters, for instance, you're going to be in some trouble because New Testament letters are uh, very instructional. They're very direct. Uh, There are many commands that are given, direct commands that are given in New Testament letters. If you take that same interpretational grid and you apply it to historical narrative in the Old Testament, then these stories that are being told in narrative, you're going to take something that's just descriptive, describing something that's happened. And you're going to take it as being prescriptive, like it's for you. You can bind your conscience with something that was never intended to be prescriptive. And that can be a danger for us as we seek to help people grow and change and submit to the word of God. And so um, we, we need to be contextual and literary context is is one of the ways that we need to help people navigate the scriptures well.
0: And, you know, you think about it, we do that every day, right? We don't read a blog the same way we read our checking account statement, right? Absolutely. So And it's the same in the scriptures, those different types of literature. I mean, we have to read them somewhat differently. So.
1: Yes, yeah, we, we wouldn't have somebody uh, pick up a novel and read it the same way they would
0: read a, an email from their boss. Right, you know, so. exactly. Okay, so we're here to talk about the stories of the Bible, or what we might call historic narrative. So introduce us to that. Um, what are what are the parts of the Bible that are historic narrative, and then give us some tips for reading those portions of the scripture. Yes, um, some of the historical
1: narrative you see is uh, is going to be found in Genesis. Uh, half of Exodus is is also going to be a historical narrative. A portion of Numbers, and then you've got Joshua, Judges, Ruth, First and Second Samuel, First and Second Kings, and First and Second Chronicles, uh, as well as Ezra, Nehemiah, and Esther. Uh, then prophets like Daniel, the first six books, or first first six chapters of Daniel and then also Jonah. When you get into the new Testament, you you've got narrative portions of the gospels, but then also narrative portions of the book of acts as well, which is kind of the big historical book there in, in the new Testament. Um, like we talked about at the beginning of the podcast, narratives are stories. They're true stories. Uh, when we're talking about historical biblical narrative, there are these true stories and, um, You've got to inter- interpret these stories according to the different rules and understanding that a story is being told. And so a lot of times you're going to have to step back and see the forest But don't miss that force for the trees, right? You, you don't want to, um, spend, um, your time just in all the small details without stepping back to see, okay, what, what is, what is the story being told? And it can be over the course of, you know, a number of chapters that one story is taking place in one of these books of the Old Testament, for instance. And so, uh, sometimes we can read one chapter of the Old Testament in our, our devotional time in the morning and, um, we're kind of confused. Like what, why was that important? Well, that's maybe the second chapter in a three-chapter narrative, that
0: we've got to really step back and, and see the theme of, so that we can benefit benefit from it the most. That's really interesting, and, and maybe one of the limitations of Bible reading plans. Obviously, you know we promote those here, and you do it at your church and all that. But sometimes, you know, reading one chapter a day or a couple chapters a day, that that can be. Uh, unhelpful if we are reading historic narrative and we, you really need to read a larger portion to see, you know, what is this story about? Whereas maybe like one of the letters in the New Testament, you could read a smaller portion and still gain the main idea. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, last year, I, I preached through First
1: Samuel in a, in a Sunday night service uh, at our church and so uh, over the course of a year i'm taking these these blocks of first samuel and as a as a person who's mainly preached out of the new testament it was hard for me to say okay now, tonight i'm going to be preaching a whole chapter in one sermon or even more than a chapter so i can get the entire context and so it's not like uh, a new testament letter where you take maybe uh, even one verse or just a few verses to preach, and so you have to train yourself to to come at these different texts according to the way that they're communicating truth. And one of them is it's there. There's these uh, these narratives that are telling a, a a
0: story that has a big main point that it's going to take some time to get to. Yeah. So as biblical counselors and disciplers, we care about getting the interpretation of God's word right. I mean, because if we're not giving the person God's word as he meant it. We're not, in fact, actually giving the person uh, God's message, and we would never want to be guilty of that. So getting the interpretation of, say, a historic narrative is is really necessary that we do that. So help us to see what are some of the benefits of using historic narrative and, and maybe some tips along the way of how we can be sure to get the message right. Great. Yes. Uh, one of the things that we...
1: I think we all appreciate about narrative when we come to the word of God is that these stories in the scriptures draw us in. They're compelling. Um, They, they engage our, our minds and our hearts. We want to see what happens. We, we want to keep reading till we get to the end of the story. There's this, you know, there's the tension, there's the climax, right? There's the resolution and all of that. So that's a, that's a big benefit to, um, having your disciples or your counsellors read, um, the, the scriptures and use some narrative in that because it, it will encourage them to be in the word of God because that literary genre in and of itself kind of just helps to engage the person and, uh, and it kind of compels interest. Um, But at the same time, here's here's a little bit of tip for for reading historical narrative. We need to remember that the point of these stories is not simply to entertain, not simply for us to um, help our counselees have their curiosity satisfied. The point of them is to be drawn to worship, to be drawn to obedience, to be drawn to see God for who he is and respond appropriately. So... You've got to take, for instance, the book of Esther. Right? Um, we all know that the book of Esther doesn't mention the name of God, but the uh, the fingerprints of God are all, all over that story. And it's such an engaging story. It's it's like you're reading a screenplay for a movie. It is uh, it is so interesting the way that it is written. But if you just have your counselee read it. To appreciate that oh, this is a cool story, you should listen to this. It's really going to, you know, grip you. Then you've missed it, because you can see the point is uh, to highlight the providence of God and ordering the events of uh, what, what are what's going on among these people, so that He is exalted, so that His purposes are unfolded, so that His people are preserved. And so you can't miss the point of it just because the, the stories are engaging and entertaining. And so you've got to keep that in mind. Uh, another benefit about these narratives is they exalt God in the heart of the reader. Um, the power of God, the wisdom of God, the faithfulness of God on display in these stories is amazing. Um, J.I. Packer talks about how we, we have such a small view of God and in our cultural context, a small view of God, but a big view of man, it should be the other way around, right? We should big view of God, small view of man. Well, these narratives can have, help us to have that big view of God so that we are constrained by his greatness in living our lives um, um, according to his word. So they exalt God in the heart of the reader, and if we are going to interpret them correctly, not as morality tales, but um, seeing that God is the hero of these, these stories, that he truly is, then it's going to help us celebrate him. It's going to help us revere him according to his attributes that are displayed. Just think of Elijah on Mount Carmel and what happens there the showdown between the prophets of baal and elijah's there and um, obviously the prophets of baal they they're trying to get baal to show up you know and show himself we know he's not going to show up he doesn't exist but uh they're trying their best but switch over to elijah and uh um, god comes and consumes that altar and shows himself to be magnificent and all powerful and that that narrative helps you i mean it's just exciting you want to stand up and cheer you know when that happens right or um you can see the attributes of god in the story of joseph sold into slavery and the faithfulness of God, it takes a long time, but God has not forgotten Joseph. He has not left him hanging out to dry. And, and you get to the end, and it's all wrapped up so nicely with, um, so I sent you to Egypt, right? God says of, of, uh, of Joseph, or um, Joseph is telling his brothers. That's, that's the, the part I was, was meaning to say, that uh, Joseph is saying, God sent me here yeah. to preserve a people. And so you see his faithfulness in that. You see also providence on display there. And um, another narrative that, that really can excite your soul and help you to see the attributes of God is um, Gideon, the story of Gideon in Judges, where God keeps shrinking his army down to 300 so, so that God's power is put on display. He keeps telling Gideon, No, your, your army is still too big. If Gideon wins and his army's big, then there's going to be uh, people who will say, of course, it's the army. But God wants it to be known that it's him. So he is seen. He is known. And these things, these narratives, when you, when you really interpret according to a God-centered hermeneutic, a God-centered interpretational grid, then you see God and his heroic nature, um, his, his all-powerful, all-wise, all-knowing nature, On display, and and that helps your your counselors have that big view of God that they need to compel them into obedience.
0: Man, that's so, so helpful. And I think, you know, even as biblical counselors, sometimes we're drawn to those more prescriptive texts, you yes. know, go and do this and go and handle your anxiety and like that. And yet we need to realize the balance of scripture in a genre like historic narrative where there's this story that's designed to exalt God and see his attributes. And of course, we're not going to trust a God or obey a God that we don't see and revel in and and stand in awe of. So I think this is really helpful to remember to use these stories in discipleship and counseling so that our, our view of God God increases and that helps our obedience and our trust to increase.
1: I mean, th- think about somebody that is really struggling with a trial that they're uh, walking through that seems to be lasting forever. It's been years and they just, they can't see how um, God is in it for their good. Well, many scholars think that uh, Joseph was in prison or enslaved for 13 years. Um, and he's he's undergoing all of this at the hands of his his brothers who are meaning it for evil but then you step back and and you see now at the end of the book of genesis he's prime minister god has used him so that the people of israel are preserved and god is is keeping his his covenant with the people of israel that's that's amazing for somebody who's who's uh you know going through a trial maybe it's they're 5 years into it and they just um I don't know how I can trust God in this. I, I don't see how he's, he's loving me right now. Well, look at Joseph. That could be really encouraging yeah. to them, I think. Yeah, that's, no. good. that's good. But there's also more, um, some of these other benefits as well. Duval and Hayes, in their book, they say that narrative, instead of telling us how to live, shows us how to live. So it's, it's not so much tell, it's show. And we know that 1 Corinthians chapter 10 tells us about the Old Testament, um, this, starting in verse 9 of 1 Corinthians 10, we must not put Christ to the test as some of them did, speaking of Israel, and were destroyed by serpents, nor grumble as some of them did, and were destroyed by the destroyer. Now these things happened to them as an example, but they were written down for our instruction on whom the end of the ages has come. So we know that um, these stories set an example for us. They're instructional for us as new Testament believers. And they show us, they they show us how we are to live or they show us this attribute of God. And so there's a lot of that showing and not so much telling. We're kind of used to the telling. You know, I think maybe a lot of us, like you said, are drawn to the prescriptive nature of the new Testament letters. You know, do this, don't do this, believe this, don't believe that. But we see it, we see it and we catch it. And, um, it's you. You feel it whenever you read it described in a narrative, and so I think that's part of it as well. Whereas you might be told the truth in a New Testament letter, you um, you feel the truth in a story, you know because you feel the tension. And we we tend to be people who put ourselves into um, someone else's shoes as we're watching a movie or reading a book, and if you're doing that in a narrative, you you feel uh, the the suffering. Uh, you know, think of what. Hannah was going through in First Samuel, um, with without having a child and the the angst there, you know. But then God giving her Samuel, mm. and what that must have felt like, and, and seeing God provide in that way. So you you're feeling the truth um, while uh, you you see it told in different places. There, there's a sense in which it helps you with the emotion of the truth, I think, um, to some degree. And whenever you're thinking about Israel and the wilderness, we see the rebellion, really the, the stiff necked obstinance of the people of Israel there in, in the wilderness. And it's, it's something that when we're reading it, the story really helps us to appreciate, um, that that's something we don't want to be about. We don't want to be like them. So the new Testament talks about, don't be like Israel. And so when you're reading the story in the old Testament, that I, I'm compelled to to not want to go in that direction because of the story that's been told in the Old Testament. So that's that's another reason why I think the narrative is, is helpful for our disciples and our counselees. Uh, and not to, to mention as well, um, or something else that, that goes along with that is the the fact that narrative shows us patterns. When you're reading these stories, you see patterns of God's character. So think about the Book of Judges as well. There's this theme, this uh, I guess this this cycle that happens in the book of Judges where the people turn away from God. Um, as a result of that, God sends another nation to come and oppress them. They cry out for mercy. God sends them a judge to come and deliver them from that nation. And that's the cycle of the book of Judges over and over again. That's what you see. And so you think, wow, I mean, I would have just been done with them. And the people of Israel, that is but God is continuing to care for them. Um, when they cry out for mercy again, he's sending them another judge mercifully. And so that pattern communicates something to us of the enduring character of God. He's not just this sometimes he continues to be this. He is eternally a compassionate, caring God and a patient God with his people. And so, um, so the Old Testament is so long, it's much longer than the New Testament comparatively. And I think it's because you've got all these narrative stories that are being told. And you can identify these patterns and see that God um, continues to be who he is over a long period of time. And the Old Testament is, it's, it covers a lot longer of a span of time than the New Testament. New Testament is, you know, a century, less than a century. But you've got many centuries that are represented in the old Testament. You see God's character patterned over the course of that, um, keeping his covenant with Israel. Um, I mean, it took a long time for him to bring judgment upon them and, uh, have Nebuchadnezzar come and take them into captivity because of their rebellion. That took a long time. So you see that pattern and you can praise God and appreciate that
0: aspect of his character more because you're reading narrative. That's so, so helpful, Brent. Thank you so much. So let's say some of our listeners are are hearing this and, and they are really convicted that they need to be in those narrative passages. I'm benefiting from them themselves, seeing God's attributes, seeing those patterns like you're saying, but also using those to minister to hurting people. If they want to learn how to do that better or they want to grow in that, could you recommend some resources? You mentioned Duvall and Hayes, Grasping God's Word. Are there any other resources that come to mind or anything that you found helpful?
1: Yeah, there's a great book on helping to identify the meaning of Old Testament narrative texts. It's by Dale Ralph Davis. It's called, uh, It's kind of a funny title, The Word Became Fresh.
0: Yeah. And so it's uh-huh. kind of a
1: silly title, but, but a really excellent book on just how, how you read an Old Testament narrative text and clues you look for, for getting the theme, the point of the text. And, um, that's not always easy with narratives. It's really easy in the letters because here, here's the point. You know, Paul's going to tell you what the point is. It's going to be very direct, but the story, you've got to, you've got to identify, okay, um, let's look at what happened. Here are the consequences for this action. We know God brought about those consequences. So what does that say about what the people of Israel did here? And so you've got to, it's not as easy to come to the the conclusion of what the, point of this text is in an old testament narrative therefore there are clues textual clues literary clues that can help identify the meaning and that book is an excellent resource so i highly recommend it
0: so dale ralph davis the word became fresh there you go all yes, right. That's right very good all right before we let you go um Give us one final shepherding word that might encourage our readers. Why should they be in these historic narratives? Why should they be reading them, taking them heart themselves, and then sharing them? Shepherd our listeners through why that's so important. These, these stories are very real. The scripture
1: doesn't pull any punches. And so when you read these stories, you, you see a real life. That's not gratuitous. Praise the Lord for that. There's the sweet balance of being very real and authentic, not, um, making life seem like it's a bunch of peaches and cream. That's not the way scripture does it. Um, life is hard. Sin is brutal and it is wicked and God hates it. And you see the consequences of that in this fallen world when you read these narratives. But in the midst of that, you see God in his, in his attributes and his love and his faithfulness and his holiness. Come and bless his people or come and judge the people. But God is there in the thick of things. And when, when you see that, when, when you see examples of people trusting God and walking with God, um, these benefits come to the surface. You know, these, these blessings from walking in God's ways, you know, the, um, it makes me think of that prayer at the end of Psalm 139, right? Uh, teach me, uh, to walk in the way everlasting. Right When you see people walking in the way everlasting, the, the blessings, the peace, the joy really is there. And so it's not that life is easy. You know, it's not always roses. Most of the time it's not. And, and this narratives point that out. They're clear about it. But God is there. Right? He's a very present help in time of trouble. Psalm 46. And so that's the balance of these narratives. Uh, you see God show up in the midst of the pain and the suffering and the, and the wickedness to reveal himself, and to be there um, to protect and uphold his people.
0: Thank you for listening to Counsel the Word. If you'd like more information about Pastor Brent Osterberg or the ministry of Living Hope Bible Church, you can visit them at lhbcmansfield.com. And for more information about the Center for Biblical Counseling and Discipleship, you can visit us at our website at thecbcd.org.